Sonic States What's called Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk number 64. That's the Halloween special and that's about as far as I could get from my sound effects library. Spooky. Back again after last week's break. Um, my daughter's birthday went very well and, um, and now she's four and she keeps saying, I'm still four, I'm still four. So hello to uh, Mark Tinley. Um, how are you doing? I know you were on holiday, weren't you? Hello, yeah, I'm, I'm very well and my holiday was great. I had, I had a lovely time. Went to... Um Gothland, which is in uh, Yorkshire, which is where all the Tinleys are from, and I found the grave of my great-grandfather there. And then we went uh, north from there to Scotland, where my children live, and uh, went and stayed in a little fishing cottage on the coast, fisherman's cottage on the coast, with a very bleak outlook, but it was lovely. Uh, So windswept, was it? Very. Oh, <laughs> actually, actually, I saw some dolphins. They were, and I've been recording. I went to this place called um, uh, Spay Bay, where, and I stood on the point of this uh, of this bay with with my daughter, with the um, the sound man binaural microphones in her ears, and me with headphones on, and I was using her as a microphone <laughs> and positioning her on the shoreline. And, and while I was doing this, facing her out to sea and getting, you know, saying, just stand there, yep, that's it, great sound. There was a dolphin swimming in the sea watching us. Like, it was really well, quite a beautiful moment, I guess. They are. You don't see dolphins very often in this country, but um, when you do, it's quite special, isn't it? Well, I'm glad you had a good time, Mark, and it's good to have you aboard, as ever. Um, also say hello to Dave Spears from G4 Software, who has just back from holiday, well, not holiday, a trip, and uh, recovering from some dreadful illness, because you weren't with us last time we were on because you were on your on your sick bed is that right dave uh yeah yeah which is a shame really because i missed a couple of interesting subjects well I, you got a lot of props i seem to remember there were some some good words about uh, your plugins from everybody and various contributors so um oh well, thank you i hope i hope that helped you know rally you back into yeah. into the picture of health so um you went to uh, you got a giant is it a playmobil figure yes Yes. Um, yeah, I won it on eBay. In fact, a friend of mine, I was on iChat with a friend of mine in Germany, and uh, I was talking about how I wanted a giant Playmobil figure, um, but they're really expensive over here. The last one over here went for about 300 quid. And he found one that was about half a mile from him that was only for sale to German people and pickup only, and he managed to steal it for about 30 euros. Woohoo! Uh, but oh, it, cost wow. me about, it cost me about a thousand quid to go over there, pick it up, because no one wanted to ship it back because it was too fragile. Yeah. So in the end, it was like, well, we're going to drive. So, uh, yeah, it's hilarious. That sounds like quite a... <laughs> I noticed that there's a bit of a sort of photo journal of that on your blog over on uh, the MySpace blog, which is quite good fun. There's some pictures of... I think you've named him, is that right? Uh, yeah, in fact, um, Marcus, um, the guy who bought him for me, uh, named him Alan the Astronaut. Ah, so he's, he's, he's one meter sixty high. Oh, that's quite big. It's nearly as tall as me. Well, I'm glad to have you aboard, and it sounds like you're a bit more sort of well, and um, everything's a bit more kind of back in its place. Yeah, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, but this is this is one hell of a lurgy. And um, let's also say hello to Mr. Rich Hilton. Um, that's uh, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius. I'm getting the URLs in this time. Richard, <laughs> how the devil are you? It's been a couple of weeks. Um, did you Did you put your week off to good use? Have a lion, perhaps? 
not much of a lion, but I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Really well. Um, we've been renovating our gorgeous vintage Neve console at the studio and uh, basically recapping modules and listening to the differences and things. And uh, it's great fun and very rewarding, and the thing sounds great. And well, um, I'll, I'll move on to PJ Tracy from Minneapolis. Uh, I'm just hesitant there because I'm, for some reason I keep saying Indianapolis, and I have no idea why. I, maybe it's because I went there once. Um, but that's that's kind of it. PJ, how are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, enjoying the last bit of the good weather here. Uh, we've got a beautiful fall day, uh, lots of colors, and just been uh, cleaning up my studio and finishing up a couple projects this week, and I'm looking forward. Obviously, Leopard's out, isn't it? Finally, the Mac OS has finally hit the hit the streets or hit the hit the net. And Dave, I hear Dave Spears. Um, you're actually using Leopard to um, to talk to us, so Skype works then at least. Uh, I put it on the laptop, and um, yeah, it all it all seems fine. I can't say I'm absolutely riveted by it at the minute, but um, I quite like some of the iChat things. It's got a really kind of rough chroma key where you can insert your own background and put your face and make out that you're on a roller coaster and things like that. How useful! Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything I'd rather buy an operating system for, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's one thing that people have been saying, actually, about the operating system, is it sort of doesn't really have much for audio professionals. Would that be a fair thing to say? Uh, to be honest, I only put it on a couple of days ago, so I haven't really delved too deeply. Um, we really just wanted to check our stuff out. We got a thing through from Apple saying that our stuff passed the Leopard and Logic 8 validation, which was cause for celebration here. When I put it on the laptop, I fired up the standalone, but because I've got some Digi stuff which uses Pace on there, you have to update the drivers immediately. So there was a kind of moment where, where nothing worked, uh, which is a bit spooky, but yeah. um, actually it was really easy to rectify. I was over on um, Create Digital Music where Peter Kern has um, been sort of looking into and doing a roundup of kind of what's going on. There's quite a lot of people talking and reporting back, and lots of people have sort of said they haven't had any major problems. There's been a couple of issues with firewire dr- devices not taking, um, which was a similar issue that I had when I had an operating up system upgrade and I had to kind of revert back to 10.4.9 drivers. So there were a couple mm-hmm. of things not quite there and um, apparently some native instrument stuff is still having a bit of a, a jiggle. But, you know, on the whole, it seems to be working, but the general w- word seems to be, but what's in it for us? I mean, most people have said it's Time Machine or that that does it, really. That's uh, Or is it Time Bandit? I forget which one it is. The one that allows you to back up and take snapshots. That seems to be the main feature that everybody's chuffed about. Are you running Are you running Leopard in any environments yet, Rich? I imagine in a production situation, you wouldn't touch it for ages, would you? Well, it's not going on my DAW yet, but uh, it looks really interesting. I think there are some nice enhancements. They include Boot Camp, which is nice. The Spaces thing seems like it could be a nice screen management situation. I think Is that, that multiple desktops? Yeah, it's almost like screen sets, dare I say it, in Logic, um, in, in the sense that you can customize these different environments and have them all available at the same time. The iChat enhancements look pretty cool, yeah. and uh, the quick look thing seems kind of nice. The way the whole, they've kind of changed the finder to look like iTunes. It's interesting. You know, where, they, where you've got the album covers, except now it's your folders and your files. You know, oh. you know uh, 
what do they call that thing uh, where you flip through album yeah, covers? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like the current Finder, but more like the way it's implemented in iTunes in terms of the left side of the window where you can yeah. stack up stuff that you want to use. And then when you do click on one of the you know things that represents an album cover in this analogy, you get this new quick look thing where you can browse files, you can read files, even Microsoft files, right there on the desktop. Ah. The they also uh, enhance the mail program and... Uh, in, I do use their mail program, so I was kind of interested in the enhancements. I, I went up, what, all I did was go up on Apple's website and watch the introductory video. It's like, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes long. Mm. So anyone else going to do it? Mark, um, you, you kind of tempted or didn't it really bother you? I'm not that bothered, actually. I mean, I do fancy the chroma key um, iChat thing, but as nobody else I know particularly uses iChat, and then again, actually, having said that, I tend to use a program called Adium anyway. I don't suppose it's really that important. But, um, and PJ, you must be very excited to know that Leopard has actually been hacked for PC already. I think it was on sort of within 24 hours of it being made available. Somebody, uh, somebody's kind of um, created a, 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 a patch for the DVD that you stick on like a USB key or something and, and you can just stick it into your PC and um, apparently get it going. I'm not sure how long that's going to work for, but it seems kind of remarkably quick. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, highly illegal. Well, of course. I mean, I'm yeah. not condoning it in any way, but, yeah. you know, so... <laughs> I've uh, cleaned up around here over the last couple of weeks, and there's uh, a Mac graveyard in my studio right now. I've got uh, three G4s and an old G3 just wow. sitting around here, and I'm wondering if it's... Is it, is it even possible to run Leopard on one of these old G4s? It requires a certain amount of processing speed, but I think you can run it on a G4 processor. But more okay. topical is, did you set that graveyard up in a sort of a Halloween scene with the Macintosh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where the tombstones are actually old Macintoshes. <laughs> that's, that's a great idea, Rich. That's a great idea. Yeah, you, or you could just put them in a great big cauldron and stir them together and you'd have a G7. <laughs> <laughs> Incant over them. Yeah, no, and, you know, make some kind of uh, Jobs type hocus pocus. and uh, Jobs, yeah. I haven't got it. I'm not going to get it for a while. I've only got a single Mac that I use and I run the business, you know, at least my sort of editorial side of things off that. The rest is on PCs. So I think I'm going to give it a miss until it's got something I really need. I'll tell you what, though, um, I had a bit of an exciting moment last week because um, just that there was a sort of battery update that came in via software update on the OS X. I'm still on 10.4.9. And, you know, I thought, oh, maybe this time my battery will work. And you know what? It does. My battery is now working again on my MacBook Pro, which hasn't... It's almost a year to the day that it stopped working. Isn't that bizarre? I, That's oh, really cool. Hallelujah. I'm a bit disappointed because I was rather thinking I could use it as an excuse to kind of start thinking about getting a new machine, but... Um, now I've have got th- absolutely no reason to. The only thing that's happened on mine to do with the battery that's weird since putting that patch in is that every time it says it's got nine minutes of battery power left, it goes, it runs for at least another half an hour, constantly telling me it's got nine, then eight minutes, then seven minutes. So I think, I don't know what they've done. But- what they've actually done is they've managed to slow down time in the micro-environment <laughs> of battery world. I mean, these guys, they're just geniuses, aren't they? It's, it constantly How? amazes me. One of the other exciting things that happened to me this week is I got a Pinnacle Rock You Soundbridge radio, right? I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. It's like a Soundbridge thing. Uh, what it does is it's a Wi-Fi device. You put Firefly, which is a media server, on your Mac or your PC or whatever, and it scans your folders and, and serves up all of your um, MP3s, AAC, WAVs, whatever, as long as they're not DRM'd via Apple, to this radio. And you can just browse. It comes with a little remote control. 
and it's what I've been looking for for ages because my computer's been attached to my TV at home. I've now got access to all my tunes and I'm just so pleased because now I have, I've, I haven't listened to music for such a long time because I haven't solved that problem. But Pinnacle Rock You Sandbridge Radio indeed rocks. It's a Wi-Fi thing. You get a little two-line display that enables you to just browse through all of your stuff by genre, but, you know, the same way that you would on iTunes. But in actually, it's easier than iTunes, I think. How much? And it does internet radio as well. You can get access to 5,000-odd stations, you know, whatever they may be. How much? I think it's about £120. Blimey. Oh. And it's got, but it's got built-in speakers. So it's, a, it's like a boombox, a Wi-Fi boombox. Absolutely. Cool. Oh, and it sounds okay. pretty. It's got, it's got um, two speakers at the front um, behind a grill. And then at the back, there's a little sub. And it just sounds enormous for the size of it. It really is kind of quite, I mean, it's, you know, obviously quite heavily um, EQ'd, but it's, it's got a vast sound for, and it's about the size of a loaf of bread. <laughs> that won't work for the Americans. They have enormous loaves of bread over there. <laughs> okay. Well, if you took a, okay, how about this? If you took a baguette and you folded it in half, is it bigger or smaller than my K2000 that's in front of me? It's a lot smaller than that. It's like How that. big are your loaves of bread? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to pass that on because uh, I've been looking for something like this for ages and I've got it. You have to kind of make sure you've got a reasonably new uh, Wi-Fi router because um, I've got two in my house uh, and the first one just didn't work. It buffered all the time and the second one works a dream. It's a really just good Christmas gift. Looks nice. Vince Clark. Did anyone see this Vince Clark um, topic? Uh, this is yeah. another thing from Matrix Synth, who is, uh, seems to be banging out loads of really good, uh, interesting topics at the moment. And um, so Vince Clark studio for sale. And everybody immediately thinks, wow, it's wonderful. I, I, but I thought he'd done it ages ago, but um, obviously he hasn't. And there's a, there's a great picture of it with the sort of, uh, it looks like um, sort of the uh, Teletubbies house, doesn't it? This kind of these <laughs> kind of do- two domes. It looks absolutely fantastic. Um, and I, you know, I was thinking, oh gosh, I must check the, the the list out and see what's there. And I just wondered if anyone else has had the chance, and whether you know anything that Vince may have touched would feel have us an extra value for any of us. This is obviously an addition because uh, I know he got rid of loads of keyboards, and there's no keyboards here, is there? Yes, actually, he looks like a load of old tat, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. But. I mean, he's getting rid of. It looks like there's uh, there's a few MC4s there, which somebody might be interested in for for old times' sake. But a load of tape machines, um, a, a radar a multi-track system, uh, and a bucket load of Behringer stuff. But it looks like a lot of this stuff's going because I mean, one could only assume that maybe he's just going to be working inside a box of some sort now. I think he's going to the states, isn't it? And this is all uh, stuff that he doesn't want to ship. He got a EMT one hundred and forty on here, and he's got an NAD thirty twenty amplifier, which is a great tiny little amp. It's fantastic. Uh, on on the face of it, it did look like quite an exciting kind of prospect. And but like you say, Dave, I think there's a Fairlight in there. Did somebody say there was a Fairlight? See an old Fairlight series one or two? No, or there is. I see it. It just says Fairlight CMI. It doesn't say which one it is. Which I'd like to add, incidentally, is the featured sampler in our top five greatest samplers from this week, when it was released on Monday, our latest episode. Very good it is too, I have to say. Yeah, Simon's done a blinder, as ever. That's really good fun. Sorry, that's something at my door. Are you answering that, Dave, or are you just going to let them freeze? No, no, somebody else is taking care of that. Uh, One of the staff. Oh, sorry. Nobody answered the door, did they, Dave? That's what it is. I, can, I know you're in there. Come <laughs> <on>. <laughs> I can hear you. 
I've just found the uh, the link to the Vince Clark stuff. It's all on eBay. It's in a it's in a, an eBay shop called Vince Clark Studio for Sale, <laughs> and he just happens to be selling an Orban Spring Reverb. There you go. That's my reciprocal link there. Ah, okay. Well, that just takes us nicely onto our next topic. That's the sound of the Zerotronics Passive Reverb, which is uh, a spring device um, with balanced in and balanced out that you can uh, sort of pocket size, put in your pocket and take with you if you want that spring reverb sound. Uh, the Zerotronics is available for, it seems like an enormous amount of money, but anyway, it's made using kind of um, these Baldwin Springs from spring reverbs from the 1960s. He found a kind of job lot of them. He's making 10, the guy from Zerotronics, but they're 795 bucks each. But um, do you think anybody would need springs enough to have one of those? Obviously, he's going for the sort of "I must have that sound." I'm only making t- he's only making ten units, and they're nearly eight hundred bucks each. Anyone uh, have fond I- memories of spring spring reverb units? Yes, go in there. Um, uh, would I use it now? I don't know. I I I, I like the sound of spring reverb on guitar. Uh, at the studio I worked at in the '80s, we had a BX20, and uh, it was uh, fantastic sounding. And uh, we had we also had an EMT 140 and a 240, so we had a really nice collection of you know top notch of their kind. Because the 240 is a gold foil, and the 140 is that big huge piece of metal that's suspended like in a frame. Back then, there this, there was just the dawning of digital reverb, but uh, it was you know kind of kind of I don't know crappy at the time uh, to me. And these things sounded fantastic. And uh, I can see why, you know, the spring thing is valuable, particularly, like I said, to guitar players, because I think it's really where you're used to hearing it is out coming off a guitar amp. All I remember is gigs and, you know, the sort of gigs that I used to do when I was a kid always had really crappy stages. So if anyone moved around, the springs on the, (laughs) on the amp would always go. (laughs) I like that sound. I really like that sound. I used to deliberately kick my amp to make it make that noise. And used to jam jam different things in the springs to try and get it to make different versions of that noise as well. Vermona, Vermona do a spring reverb, and it's got a little button on it that you can press that kind of, I don't know what it does, whether it hits the spring with some kind of relay, and you can get it to go clong, clong. That's quite cool. There's a Vermona spring, and the Vermona stuff's actually quite, well priced i don't know if anyone's um had a chance to look at the vermona things it's very nice stuff actually yeah so easy but it's such a small thing but if you're looking for a sort of pocket-sized spring reverb then this might be the way but only 10 being made you're going to have to get your order in quick and i suspect he's probably sold them already i had a conversation once with a coder about um creating a virtual instrument that had a spring reverb in it and uh we had a I think it was a four-hour conversation about modeling spring reverb and it was at that moment that i realized that um I needed to be somewhere else. <laughs> well, doesn't doesn't the um, doesn't yeah. that way out where um, ARP twenty six hundred have a spring module in it as well? Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah, I think it does, I, I, and I believe that Perlman actually contacted uh, Jim after the event and said, "What the hell did you model that for?" It has a certain crappiness that you really kind of can't find anywhere else, isn't it? That's but that's why. But apparently, did quite a good job. There are a couple of um, impulse responses inside of uh, Altiverb that are that are awfully nice. There's a there's a BX22, and I'm I'm not certain of the how how that's derivative of the BX20 if it's smaller or larger, or newer or painted differently or something. And the this- reverb inside of Stylus RMX that models spring reverb is 
is is a decent. Um, oh yeah, no, I've heard that as well. That's not too bad, is it? Virtual re- uh, spring reverb. No, it's actually. But there good. must have been. I mean, Rich, there must be kind of lots of tricks on how to kind of make them sound more stereo and EQing various different feeds and feedback and all that sort of thing. I mean, was there a kind of real art to using that kind of thing that you're never going to be able to kind of really get the most of in in terms of software? I I don't know enough about how these things get modeled to tell you that you'll never get it in software. But there and as far as the art goes, I I'm I just like what I hear and I try to make the most out of what it is. So I never did much more than EQ it. The BX twenty was a a very warm sounding spring. It wasn't the typical honkiness uh, overwhelming you. Where I mean, spring reverbs can tend to be kind of honky. Um, in a, in a word, and yeah. uh, the BX20 had had a certain amount of that honkiness, but it was balanced with a lot of depth and warmth. Now, I don't recall whether it had a pair of outputs or not, but I know the 140 plate did, and what they do is they pull, uh, they put a transducer in different spots, basically. I mean, in other words, it represent, you can represent it as stereo, but it's really two different transducers placed at two different mechanical places along the line. Sure. That creates that sort of state. There isn't actually like two of them in there and a left and a right. No, yeah, yeah. It's just two different positions, yeah. Right. I see what you mean. Right. Hmm. Well, springs. Springs the things, um, or maybe not. So uh, get yours now, um, but book early. Sonic Talk. Sponsored by Yamaha Music Production. Producers of the world's most popular digital mixing consoles. Accurate professional studio monitoring systems. Incredibly realistic and portable digital stage pianos. The versatile motif range of music production synthesizers. And the latest N-Series digital mixing studios. Featuring the cleanest signal pump and full Cubase AI4 integration. www.yamahasynth.com Sonic Tour. DigiDesign have just announced... Um, the Mbox 2 Micro, which is yet another thing in their Mbox 2 range, which seems to be coming, they seem to be coming thick and fast. They're coming up with all sorts of form factors. And what this is, essentially, it's a USB dongle with a sound card built in that gives you um, 24-bit, 48K maximum sample out. It's like a headphone out. So it enables you to, it essentially enables you to run Pro Tools LE on your computer without having a kind of whole bunch of other stuff. And that, uh, they're obviously going for the sort of, the people who want to use Pro Tools but don't want to lug around... Um, you know, a mic, another piece of equipment, just a dongle would do fine. They seem to have pitched it right, because I'm thinking, oh, I'd really like one of those, and I can't think why I would, because obviously there's nothing about it, audio, sonically, that's going to do much for me, but just the fact of being able to run Pro Tools without all the extra stuff I would have to carry around. I also wondered whether perhaps it was not as kind of response to the kind of whole logic thing, because, I mean, 155 quid or $279 for a Pro Tools LE system, with forty-five over forty-five bomb factory and Digirack effects plugins and expand um, instrument sample playback synthesis plugin, that's kind of not a bad deal, is it? No, it's no, very, very good. But you can't record anything to it. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all those virtual instruments and stuff are great, but you can't record anything to it. The, First of all, I know exactly what they're after, which is the airplane crowd—the guys who want to take a session on the plane and edit it and don't want to have to put their M box under the seat in order to do it. I I think I have a real problem with DigiDesign doing this in terms of let's take the existing HD user base. These guys have invested between eight and twenty eight thousand dollars in hardware to run this software on their computers. They now have to spend another almost three hundred dollars to to edit it on the plane. 
Like, I think they should be giving this away to almost all of their existing users. I really do. I think this is a. I think this is something that the users would have had a right to expect to begin with. And I think, I mean, even though you knew you weren't, I just think they should give it to the people who've already spent a big pile of money, rather than make them pay another three hundred bucks. So I'm kind of mortified that they're selling this to their existing user base. I mean, new users is one thing, but they should be or or some kind of serious upgrade deal where for another fifty to hundred bucks you can get it because this is just crazy. To have to spend another 300 bucks to edit your session on the plane is just nuts to me. Yeah, but surely that would be the case, you know, if you were on as an Mbox system or on just another LE system that you would have at home, which presumably you have an LE system. I've got one of every one of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know so, what I mean? I've already bought all of that. That's what I'm saying. Well, maybe you should get now some kind of gold card. You know, you get a kind of special award for owning every Digidesign product. So you get you the can most, collect the set. This is the most expensive dongle of all time. And I... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I, I see where you're coming from, and um, to a certain degree, I would kind of, I, I would, if I'd spent a whole bunch of money on it, I might consider it. But I mean, for, as someone who has it, I'm thinking this is kind of a, a nifty way in. They've got a tiny little inbox. Uh, I think it's called the inbox mini. Yeah, that's somewhere around the same amount of money that has inputs on it. it it's just it makes no sense to me. As a, I'm going to uh, buy one. Golf. I am actually going to buy one. I don't really like I, dongles, I but I am going to buy one of these because it's a way more useful than the other silly clunky thing I've got. What's the other th- silly clunky thing you got? And M- I've got an Mbox. Oh yeah, but that's kind of you know that's five or six years old. I mean you know be fair. Oh, well, you can, away then. <laughs> you can do an empowered thing. You can go with the empowered software and get a little tiny empowered interface. Also, I mean, it's this isn't the only solution to this problem. No, I but think the only not. the only thing I ever use um, Pro Tools for is for editing stuff that other people have recorded. So to do, you know, to have my input on that, and uh, for when I've transferred sessions from Logic and I might want to mix them in Pro Tools, I might want to prepare them at home and then take them into a big studio and mix them. So I'd, I'd never record anything on Pro Tools at all, ever. So it's perfect for me. It's kind of weird because that's one thing it really is good at, Pro Tools. It's very good for recording because of the take management and all that sort of thing. Didn't you and I do an entire album on Pro Tools? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm yes, in my professional life, then maybe, <laughs> and maybe as somebody else's programmer, but as a guy who as, looked just like you, it was amazing. So, uh, Dave Spears, what do you think? I mean, do you think this is kind of useful? I mean, I, I could imagine, you know, now we've got all this kind of elastic audio stuff coming in Pro Tools 7.4, and you know, the, the instruments are coming up. You know, is it is it a viable? Um, way of using Pro Tools for like more maybe the programmer. I mean, forget about obviously the recording thing is a bit of an issue, but um, just just to be able to do stuff. I mean, is there going to be much of a market for it? Do you know, honestly, I have no idea. We have. Uh, I'm just looking around. We have an Mbox, an Mbox Two Pro, an Mbox Mini. I've got some dongles which are M powered. Um, so I've got no need for this. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you get it because you work. You work for um, Audio, so, or you know they distribute you, so they're presumably for all oh, for testing, isn't it? I mean, you you would have it for those purposes. Yeah, I mean, I thought the venue live sound thing was interesting that you'd put on the site. You know, just slam it in, just dongle, preview it. Um, you know, edit it, mix live recordings on route to the next gig. I thought that was quite interesting, but again, you know, if with a little empowered dongle, I'd probably do it on that. I mean, a, an Mbox Mini is going to be a lot easier to not lose than one of these tiny dongles. Ah, uh, I've forgotten about that. I'm all forever losing dongles, and I drive my partner nuts going, have you seen a blue thing that looks a bit like a USB cable? And she's like, no, I haven't seen it. When did you last have it? And, yeah, the, lo- the logic one gets lost all the time. I have to say this very quickly, but um, 
I'm really happy that Logic 8 has removed the dongle because my missus accidentally put my dongle in the washing machine. Oh! <laughs> How about that for timing? And she was really apologetic, and I just went, well, it doesn't matter anymore. Hold on a minute. Whose fault was that? Probably mine. I think I had it in that, you know, one of those jeans secret yeah, pockets. Didn't things. take it out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't tell her that. Like, oh my God, that was 800 quid. There you go, Louise. It's not work? your fault. I, uh, I don't know, work. actually. No, I, I'm not sure. I have it in my pocket here. Shall I try it right now? No, because it might pop your computer and then yeah, we might no, be able yeah. to Goodness talk to you knows what might be going no, on let's there. Let's not do that. Uh, PJ, I, I suppose you probably don't feel very strongly about this because not being a Pro Tools user, but you could use it on XP if you wanted. I mean, is it something that you might consider? Well, I'm I'm staring at a dead 001 here, and at home I've got an Mbox. Uh, and like you say, I no longer use Pro Tools and don't find a lot of reason to use it in my in my daily life because I'm not doing a lot of collaboration or mixing or editing or anything of of that nature anymore for other folks. Right. But, um, it looks it might be interesting as a as a curiosity somewhere down the road to see how that um the elastic audio in seven four shapes up that looks like a really interesting feature integrated into pro tools and i and i do love i love pro tools busing architecture for mixing there there are a lot of things that you need third-party applications and utilities for inside of cubase to achieve the same simplicity of of busing that you can achieve in, inside of pro tools but i, I think I think I agree with Rich that they're aiming, you know, squarely at the at the engineer producer that's on a tight deadline and wants to edit on a plane. But also they might catch, um, you know, some of the overflow from music technology schools, people graduating that uh, yeah, you know, want to yeah. buy a first system or a laptop system. And, and also they, they seem to, to be catering a little bit towards the DJ programmer, but it'll be interesting to see how that how that works out because I know a lot of a lot of those guys use live and and reason mm. well i just want to be able to use pro tools on my laptop without having to carry too much more more so if this oh, little key would allow me to do that it would be perfect but the fact it doesn't support 96 kilohertz sessions is possibly a bit of a killer for me because i'm more than likely to receive 96 kilohertz sessions to edit or work on so i'm not going to be able to do them with this i'll have to use my uh, 002 rack thing to do that and mm. that's rather bigger to carry around isn't it oh well think, um yes I, I think that's a good point sorry dave you were going to say no i think pj probably hit the nail on the head with the student stuff first of all it's got the magic name pro tools and secondly yeah. if you're working at um, 44 or 48 you've got a magic upgrade path ahead of yep. you mm. yep well, Digi are very good at getting uh, their systems into these kind of uh, education facilities, aren't they? I mean, that's one thing that they've obviously have had uh, sort of realised is the way forward. You know, put it in, and uh, and then people will want to use it when they get out of there and are working on job. You know, in the real world. SonicState.com. This is a Deviant Synth. Now, this is, this is a kind of an interesting website. It's a blog that, as far as I know, has uh, at least some involvement from Mr. Eric Barber, who is the sort of the disgusting Valve King um, of Metasonics, um, he who writes the most obscene press releases, and uh, he's into kind of uh, scrotums and um, bum, you know, arses, I think, butts, <laughs> for all our languages. So he's got a website that is dedicated um, to all things synthesis, but it has to be kind of weird stuff. So it's called DeviantSynth.com, and um, he had a little piece on the uh, ARP Quadra, which apparently has lots of... Um, 
well, was was a kind of a bit of a, a white elephant from ARP. And Dave, you are uh, presumably a bit of a fan of the ARP Quadra, I'd imagine, being a synth connoisseur. Uh, yep, but it's not for everybody. Definitely. Definitely not for everybody. Bizarre. What? It was just that it was, a, you know, it was released just at their kind of troublesome period. So I know for a fact they cut certain corners. I mean, basically they cobbled together a load of different instruments, um, like the Solus and, you know, like an Omni type thing and uh, released it as a kind of programmable polysynth. Um, and it is a really interesting sound, but uh, it has some inherent nightmares. I know for a fact that um, they cut corners on things like, I think on a certain production run, they stopped putting primer on the metal case. <laughs> so that's pretty good. So that all, all the paint chips off. Right. Um, so finding one in good condition is extremely difficult now and finding one in good condition that's going to last any longer than about 10 minutes once it's switched on is also um, a bit of a task. Um, but it is an interesting beast. I like the fact that, the uh, like the Odyssey, the keyboards protrude over the um, front of the thing, which makes it really easy to snap off. Brilliant piece of design work all round then. <laughs> yeah. You should have seen the Centaur, which was the next one. That was, I think that was the one that killed him. Made in uh, 1978, uh, it was sold for more than $4,000, and uh, the chap says here, it's a, he says it, it's a sandwich containing an omni-string synth, an axe, or solus, some disagreement, but you, you seem to fall on the solus side of things, lead synth, yeah. and, a, and a simple one VCO bass synth. So it's, it's kind of like a player's thing, isn't it? So you can have a polyline, a monoline, and a bass line, and, you know, as, it, as, you get, as he says, it's also, also got those membrane buttons, which are just... You know they're they're just bound to go completely wrong, aren't they? Because um, if if the build quality is anything like the no primer on the metalwork, then I think you're going to be in serious trouble. So, have you actually seen any working? I mean, did, are there still any around? We went to record one for string machine stuff actually for the VSM, and uh, it was brilliant because the guy who um, had it it was it had been completely restored it was in immaculate condition i mean i think it looks quite a handsome beast it does look Um, rather beautiful and he plugged it in and it lasted about five minutes and we had to give up no you couldn't get any samples out of it at all Uh, i did in the end i think he got it repaired We, we made a couple of visits to his place and he got it repaired in the interim um and it does sound nice but um the programmability was a bit of a fudge i mean you have to understand at the time I suppose the only other thing that was around was like a CS80, which was vaguely programmable yeah. by that, by those kind of things. Um, but I mean, you know, you needed a small army of roadies to carry it around. So I mean, this uh, and the other thing that was around was the Oberheim, you know, the eight, the four and eight voice SEMS, yeah. which was a, another kind of programmable fudge. So it was a, it was a kind of we see it as a stepping stone, really, in the programmability stakes. Well, it sort of reminds me a bit of the, what was it, the Moog Opus and those kind of things and the Korg Lambda, which are kind of section, they're sort of a cross between synthesizers and organs because they give you sort of a section, they're section based rather than just, but this is also programmable. Yeah. Use that word loosely. (laughs) (laughs) I do like his site though. I like the, um, what to post here, which basically indicates what not to post. Anything posted will be taken down if it is at all synth collector oriented, chip tune uh, chip tune related dull or sheep like 
Yes. Otherwise, if it relates to electronic music somehow far away, photos of vintage keyboards are not welcome unless they are strange. Links Brilliant. to eBay auctions of vintage gear are not welcome unless it's a homebrew piece of freaky warped weirdness. The moderators of Analog Heaven mailing list are not welcome here either. Neither are the major traffic generators from the Analog Heaven list or Synth DIY links to schematics of exact copies of CS80 filters are not welcome. <laughs> so and th- there's there's more and more. This is actually the what not to post is... Um, it, <laughs> is massive you know there's there must be about 400 words there i mean eric is an uncompromising individual and um it's good that there's something you know a bit more kind of um vibey rep- vibe-y, yeah it's nice nice to have another blog to troll it's not it's not the busiest one but it's got some really kind of fun- funky and interesting one and that's one that i found from there so uh i've just got this mental picture of the arp guys you know having released the quadra and then seeing the profit five they must have just kind of looked at each other and gone oh shit yeah what have we done oh well <laughs> That's Ri- funny. Richard, have you, uh, Rich Hilton, have you ever come across one of those? Oh, sure. Yeah, as uh, as was said earlier, uh, they were the dark days for ARP. Things they were uh, they were going down, kicking and screaming, and this was one of the kicking and screaming pieces. <laughs> they didn't make the transition to digital terribly well, did they? Oh, things got tough. They did buy Mutron. Oh yeah, I remember those Mutron pedals. They were fantastic. That's the they Stevie bought- Wonder sound, isn't it? I have one, and oh, uh, when I was in. When I lived in Somerville, Mass, I once bicycled up to Arlington to bring it to them to get it fixed. What the, were the Mutrons there? There was a Mark One, Mark Two. There's a few of them, aren't there? They're, they're sort of. What would you say? They're a kind of a Mutron. Is it like a um, an envelope filter with distortion in it? Is that a sort of reasonable? The Mutron Three was uh, an envelope filter, and the distortion was probably unintended, although it could be. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they also had the what was short, just after the Maestro became the industry standard phase shifter. Uh, they had a biphase, and they had the the individual one. I have the individual one still to this day. Um, it's a magnificent sounding thing. It really is. And, uh, you know, it's the sound that launched a lot of records from the 70s, you know, sort of that Richard T. Uh, Steely Dan uh, road sound. With uh, that phase. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But all the original, you know, the original company, Arp and Moog, were both kind of having a tough time of it at this point on yeah. some level. But Dave Spears, um, you have got some Arp um, string representation in your virtual string machine, is that right? Yep, yep. Obviously, we did the Omni. That was um, fairly compulsory. Uh, and then we, like I say, we started recording the Quadra and um, then went, actually, it's exactly the same sound as the Omni. <laughs> well, that's out Monday, your virtual string machine. Yes. We should mention that. I mean, you know, there's no point in coming on this program week on week on week if you can't plug your own products. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing I is, mean let's face yes. it, it's all you're going to get out of it, isn't it? So. <laughs> Yes, no, we're excited, and feedback's been good so far. We're just keeping our fingers crossed, really. Yeah, I'm sure it'll go great. So, yeah, DeviantSynth.com. Get over there and have a browse around. There's some really good stuff in there, and, and also just, just weird stuff and some cantankerous and um, and difficult personalities, and that, that's kind of quite good. I quite like that, and I think um, that we should do all we can to encourage them. Um, and the last thing in our in our um, in our topic list is uh, yellow tools are giving away um, a free sampler called Independence, but this thing with two gigabytes of sa- of sounds. So basically, you can go to their site and download this fully functional um, plugin that's based on their Independence two point sampler. All it restricts you is you can't import your own sounds and program it yourself. But basically, two gigabytes of sounds and 
a sampler for nothing. And it's available in for Mac and PC, uh, it's XP and Vista, and te- OS, OS X. I looked at this a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> I saw that I saw this in the um, Northern Sound Source uh, forum, and there was something wrong with their with their link, so I wasn't able to actually actually get the sounds. But I do own um, Yellow Tools Culture, and can attest that the sounds inside of that uh, particular library are fantastic. So I can only imagine that uh, these hold up. Uh, but I do want to mention that if anybody from Yellow Tools is listening, I recently broke my dongle and I've been trying to reach your tech people via email and nobody's gotten back to me. So please write me back. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it is. They've got no spare bandwidth for incoming or outgoing emails. Oh, that might be it. Downloading, <laughs> two <laughs> gig- <laughs> downloading two gigabytes of sounds, you know, that's, that's it. That's your lot. Independence has gotten a lot of really good reviews, Nick, and maybe it's simply lost leader advertising for an upgrade path. Maybe yeah. maybe they think that you know once you get into it and you get so far into the programmability of that particular instrument, you'll fall in love with it and want to upgrade to the to the more pro features. It does look good. I mean, it also comes with a version of uh, Translator, which is kind of specially written with the Chicken Sis guys um, that that translates into Independence format from a variety of other samplers, and that looks kind of interesting. Um, uh, that they sort of but does, that does that come with it? Uh, I don't think it comes with the um, the free one, but it comes with the one you buy. Right. But that's quite a, that, because that's supposed to be you know one of the best the better ways of translating. It is. It's very good. And um, the uh, the only thing that I want it to do that I still don't think it does yet is transfer my EPS library. Mm. And as Rich talked about a couple of weeks ago, I'm sure that my attachment to that EPS library and all of those CD ROMs is uh, more romantic than anything else. When I, once I load the sounds, I'm sure I'll wonder why I bothered, but. But you never know. There might yeah, be something. Yeah, but it's nice to hold on to those dreams, isn't it? What do they mean with this um, commercial use is allowed? That you can use it on commercial recordings? Yes, I think basically because I, I imagine with some free stuff, you're kind of the li- you've got a limited license. You know, that's the uh, it's for okay. evaluation. Whereas this is no, take it, use it, put it, play. You know, it's like that whole waves thing, isn't it? You know, that you download a demo of something, but you're not actually allowed to use it, even though it might function. You're not allowed to use it for anything that might make you any money unless you buy it. Whereas right. this, they're removing that constraint. Just so, yep, take it away. Do what you want with it. Yellowtools.com, free giveaway, independent sample with two gigabytes of sound. I'd imagine there'll probably be a bit of a queue. I, I can't imagine that they're going to be a fast download, but um, it's all there and you can go and get it. It's a VST audio unit, standalone XP and Vista. Okay, well, on that rather sort of free and cheapskate note, um, I'm sure we're actually all going to go <laughs> secretly, secretly away and download this stuff. <laughs> just to check it out because I, I quite fancy trying it i'm rambling and now i shall stop rambling and i shall say goodbye to everybody because i think it must be time to go so uh halloween special which we haven't had anybody e- doing any evil laughs thank you very much for joining me mr dave spears from g4 software g4 software.com by the way thank you fun as always and mr mark tinley Thank you very much. I, I want you to know, Nick, that I've been doing evil laughs all the way through. Did you not notice that they were <laughs> they had an especially evil edge this week, all of them? Oh, Mark, that's far too subtle for me. Maybe when I come to edit it and I can analyse them and slow them down and kind of... I've just spent the entire podcast looking for my um, kiddies microphone with the spring reverb in to do an evil laugh, but I failed miserably. Sorry about that. And Mr. Rich Hilton from Connecticut, that's uh, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius. 
to see what Richard's up to. Yeah. Ah, superb. And um, PJ Tracy from Minneapolis, thank you very much for joining us. Um, uh, uh, may your day, the rest of your day, be fruitful and not too terrifying. And remember, if any kids knock on your door and kind of give you too hard, just don't take, don't get the gun out. Okay, just kind of restrain. Let's rest, let's have some restraint and remember, it's all good, clean fun. Oh, thank you for reminding me of that. I, you know, truly evil people don't laugh, so I'll I'll restrain. Oh, the menace of silence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, enjoy your you, ha- enjoy your Halloween, and um, may you not be pelted with eggs by um, disrespectful children. Remember, give give fruit; it's the best gift. <laughs> but it will result in your front gate being taken off, your tires being let down, and people smashing your windows. <laughs> <laughs> and writing all over your windows in, in soap and whatever it is they do these days. <laughs> and remember, folks, comments are always welcome. We'll be happy to read them out or play them or however they arrive. Uh, you can email them at, to sonictalk at sonicstate.com. We can just take words or MP3s. Or if you've got Skype, uh, you can call us on Sonic Talk, the handle Sonic Talk. Oh, we've got an answer phone there. Just leave us a message. Uh, we've got Skype in numbers in the US for that. Uh, so dial 312-376-8089 if you're inside the US. Or if the UK is closer or you're in the UK, 0207-870-8616. Remember to dial your country codes before those if you're outside either of those countries. That's US telephone number 312-376-8089. UK 0207-870-8616. Thanks for listening. Sonic. Stay tuned. Not home.